0: We had to kind of rebuild our own office which was difficult for two weeks malibu was shut down actually two three weeks no one could come in and out but we actually got back in or i got back in uh, to help people i i used my uh eagle scout boy scout training and you know some people run away from a fire I, we run into a fire to help I just,
1: you never I knew that help. would come in this handy uh, this later on in I life didn't. did you I, I, know didn't.
0: I mean you just kind of jumped to action to say no no people need help and so many others did this they took Boats and surfboards, and they, even though there was a cordon from the sheriffs and it closed off all points of entry, people were paddling in and kayaking in and, 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 and trying to get in any other way. So we, we got in immediately, the, the hours after the fire. And so we were just did the help. I mean, We bought generators, we bought help, we bought food, we bought anything we can to kind of bring in and kind of immediately help people, because that's what you needed. People didn't have internet service. They didn't have anything. We don't even know what the conditions were. And they were bad, really bad.
1: Welcome to My Company Story. It's a show by business owners about business owners. I'm your host, Don Burge. In each episode, we'll explore the challenges business owners face and how they've overcome them. All right, welcome. I'm with Doug Burge, my brother. He's the president and founder of uh, and lead architect and creative director for Burge and Associates based in Malibu, California. Doug, welcome to My Company Story. Hi, Don. How are you doing? Hey, great. Thank you. Hey, Doug, tell us a little bit about Burge Architects and your staff and the projects you guys specialize in. A little bit about what the firm is. Well,
0: we've actually been here in Malibu for over 25 years. I started as an architect about five or six years prior to that having my own company. But we moved to this particular part of California um, about, about 20, 25 years ago with my family. Um, we're currently actually the largest we've ever been. We're over 20, 25 people inserting a satellite, including a satellite operation that we have going on in South Korea, which I'll get touch on in a little while. Um, so it's really something right now where we have about, let's say, about 20, 25 people, and we've got the one office in Malibu, and we're going like gangbusters.
1: Fantastic. That's great. Congratulations. Tell, tell us Doug how did you and I know this story already, but tell everybody listening how did you happen to get into why are you an architect and what motivated you to to go into this profession
0: um, um, my initial like foray into architecture as I guess you could say um, is kind of started out when I was a kid and I remember when I was at in my backyard i don't know what I was I was like playing with tools and you know I was asking for table saws and lathes and woodworking equipment when I was a kid. I don't know what the reasonings was. I was just working with my hands and maybe thought one day I'd even be a contractor. And uh, so it just so happened that our uncle was an architect and he had a thriving practice down in Orange County. And I started kind of visiting him and seeing kind of what he was doing. I thought, well, that's an interesting thing. Maybe it's kind of tied to building And maybe it's tied to, um, you know, I didn't really even know what architects did at that point. But, you know, just visiting him over the summers and kind of seeing what they were kind of doing. I said, well, this is kind of interesting. I could kind of maybe eventually get into the building profession, but also related to obviously, you know, eventually into the architectural profession. Then to come find out that our cousin, Tom, um, who was older than us, he had gone to Harvard and he was an architect. And we were talking to him. And so we kind of kept on with that relationship. So I guess it was kind of natural involvement. Um, You know, it's like even when during high school, I was good at math and and good at science, just kind of came natural to me. It wasn't really difficult. And then I just decided, um, because our father had been going to, went to USC and our uncle went to USC architecture. And so even though I applied to different schools, it was just natural, just, hey, let's go to architecture school. Um, and so it kind of started out and I've never looked back since.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. And I, I remember one time, Doug, when you and I were in junior high school and we had a drafting class together and we were sitting next to each other <laughs> and you did okay. this drafting thing. I remember I'm, that too. remember that? And I'm doing the drafting yeah. also. And I thought, you know, you're really good at that and I'm not so good. I'm not going to go that direction. You go run with it. And so you took off in the family business and, uh, you know, the, the, the other family business, the architecture, yeah, the other family business, and yeah, and I went, you
0: obviously was interested in, um, being our father was in the grandfather, started the printing company. You obviously made thrive in that business. And I think even Dave worked in the printing business for a little while too, as I recall.
1: Well, high school. Maybe for afternoon. We have a whole nother podcast. We can talk about Dave. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> hey, great. Doug. Thanks. Um, hey, tell everybody listening though, a little bit about some of the projects you work on the clients you have a story, how you may have helped uh, one of your clients recently.
0: Well, I think um, you know, it's interesting. Any architect usually what happens is that you become an architect um and then you have dreams. Maybe one day of starting your own architectural firm. You work for other companies at the time, like I just mentioned, I'd worked for Blue Rock Partnership in Orange County. And then after I do, I left and went up to San Francisco, worked for a couple architects and you know, went off on my own, hung my own shingle, you know, almost around the same time I was married in nineteen eighty eight. And so um looking the firm and looking at what we did you know you start out with a young architect you're having contacts and you're you're usually doing residential you're doing residential projects because you kind of know people hey I got a house I want to do or a friend and you know my friends really kind of got me really going um, on doing residential architecture so I kind of stuck with that I, I've to have a certain personality to deal with like typically there's housewives and homeowners and husbands and you feel like half the time you're a marriage counselor and and a lot of architects they just don't have the stomach for that they don't want to deal with homeowners they don't want to deal with you know dealing with details picking out someone or someone's closet but I liked it I might think my personality enjoyed and had a a decorum in in a way with talking to residential clients so that was natural for me to continue and do residential work and between Cabo San Lucas and Sun Valley Idaho and Montana in the West. I mean, I've been doing residential, high-end residential work, you know, for almost 30 years. And then when I moved to Malibu, we just became known as the firm here that you would go to for any project. And so then we started doing hotels and restaurants and shopping centers and retail centers. And it was mostly like, okay, well, I've never done one, but I could probably do one. And then what was interesting about that type of architecture, it was I always said, okay, well, let's design a shopping center. It doesn't feel like a shopping center, but it feels like your home. And you just happen to have a bunch of stores in your home. And you had a great restaurant in your home. And you had like a a great backyard where you could hang out with your friends. But then, so you design that shopping center to feel like you're at home. And so my residential, I guess, qualifications and experience allowed me to move into the commercial sector, but make things feel like you're at home. And that's also Something that we've done with our um, hotel work, we actually made our hotels feel like, hey, and you think about it, the best hotels that anybody has gone to, any of us, is like when you just go to a place and you say, oh, this feels awesome. It feels like, okay, I'm home. I wish my home felt like this. And then that's the great hotels are feeling more like a residence. So that kind of blended into that. And so we were doing that type of work. Um, cool. Yeah. And it's exciting because it's, to me, it's all related. It's all yeah. related. It's not like a different thing.
1: No, it is all related. Tell us a story. Can you give us a specific example or a story of a client that you had and how you and your team were successful in in providing them what they were looking for and, and creating their vision?
0: Well, I mean, we've had so many great clients over the years. Um, and in a lot of cases of architecture, you, you hope you have repeat clients, you know, you might do a house for them, kind of forget about them and, and maybe they, they, uh, they, they themselves have gone and, and grown in their company, and then they call you back 10 years later and Says, Hey, I just moved to Wyoming, and I want to build a, a ranch home. And so you're happy to make clients early, and that's even a, something you, you try to do. I tell young architects that even though you may think it's a dumb little job in the beginning, that you never know about that guy. He could become super successful. Right. So don't, don't, don't underestimate the power of your potential clients. And you've had um, some
1: very successful clients, I know, some very big names. Yeah, we, we've had some
0: great, I mean, being here in Malibu, we had our fair share of celebrity clients and we've worked with a number of them from, you know, Barbara Streisand and Matthew McConaughey to Pierce Brosnan and, and and heads of corporations and billionaires and millionaires, et cetera, et cetera. But to me, the more, I, I guess you say, my better clients are really the ones that, that are, are, I say the old, you know, the old adage, you know, the mom pause. I mean, the, the people that, you know, work hard and they pay the mortgages and they, you know, they, they really appreciate, you know, they, they're hiring architect, hopefully have design and maybe something they can't do. And they appreciate us the most. So I, I look at those types of clients and say, what can I give them that maybe that not like money can't buy, but then I can provide a better service. to them. And I'm going to give an example. So we had our major fire event here almost a year now is November of last year, 2018. From that, we have a whole nother group of clients because one day you have your home, you're sitting around in your living room and then one day there's no living room. There's no more home. So right. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people like, boom, like overnight your your all your stuff is gone. So you never planned on hiring an architect. Like why would you hire an architect? Cause you didn't need one. Right? right. But they have to all of a sudden. So those people are thrust into that and say, well, who are they going to hire? They are gonna say, well, I heard Doug Burge. I never worked with him, but here he can probably do a good job because he's got the experience in the city and he looks like he's a pretty good designer. So I'll tell the story of one of my clients. Actually, tomorrow I'm actually going to be in a fire rebuild workshop, part of this thing by Malibu Foundation. And I've been asked by this homeowner to tell our story together. And um, tomorrow I'm actually going to be telling the story to a group of a like a symposium. And there's only picked four examples. And so the story is is that there's an older couple, they're they're in there. Um, late 60s, early 70s. And they're the last people I would have thought that would come to me because happens to be one of them is actually a planning director here, the planning commission director that, wow. that I've been working with for years. And they came to me and says, Doug, we want you to design a house. I said, well, this is great. I, I really, sorry for your loss, but you know, I really like to help you. He says, but Doug, I like it. We want to build it differently. We want to build something under shipping containers, I go, <laughs> shipping containers. What do you mean? And they go, well, no, you know, the shipping containers, they're kind of in right now and you can, you know they're i hear they're by cost i mean because these people didn't have like a lot of money but they had a, a budget a little bit of a budget i said okay let's do this so you know this is a project that i've never done a house out of shipping containers right and and it's kind of born not just shipping containers but we're working with prefab building components now we're working more resilient practices we've got other businesses we've started you know just to help people from the fires and so the story of working with this client is they wanted a four, three, four bedroom house at a shipping container. So I said, okay, it's like with Legos. You just put these things together and you stack them up and you see how they look. And we got creative, work with the builder and, and we're starting the job. And, and so, you know, this is one of the least likely client that I thought would call me to have them do their home, let alone a yeah. construction technique that I've never done before. And three, we're going to do this and it's going to happen.
1: That's great.
0: So, I mean, it's just, it was born and bred out of a tragedy. But out of every tragedy, hopefully it can come hope. And from hope, you can come into something that you can eventually, you know, become a a grace and a a feeling of of completeness and and finality. And so um, I'm really happy to work with
1: this couple. That's a great story, Doug. Good. Thanks for sharing that. That's really inspirational. Speaking of the Malibu fires, I mean, tell us a little bit about the I ask every uh, business owner that comes on this program, the challenges that you've faced and how you've overcome them. So tell us about that fire. I know it devastated you guys and how you overcame that tragedy.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it hit close to home. Um, We do live here in Malibu. um, So the fire skirted our home and our neighbor actually saved our home and our home, our neighbors. And so we were very thankful of that. even though we had smoke damage. Everyone had smoke damage. Um, We didn't lose our home, but our office was actually on fire. And so my personal office with all my mementos and my harry truman signed autographs and all this i mean lost but i didn't feel so bad because my clients and other friends lost everything so but we had to kind of rebuild our own office which was difficult for two weeks malibu was shut down actually two three weeks no one could come in and out but we actually got back in or i got back in uh, to help people i i used my uh Eagle Scout, Boy Scout training, and, you know, some people run away from a fire. I We run into a fire to help I just, You never
1: knew people. that would come in this handy This later on in life, I did you? I, know. I didn't.
0: I mean, you just kind of jumped to action to say, no, no, people need help. And so many others did this. They took boats and surfboards, and they, even though there was a cordon from the sheriffs and it closed off all points of entry, people were paddling in and kayaking in and, 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 and trying to get in any other way. So we, we got in immediately the, the hours after the fire. And so we just did the help. I mean, we bought generators, we bought help, we bought food, we bought anything we can to kind of bring in and kind of immediately help people because that's what you needed. People didn't have internet service. They didn't have anything. We don't even know what the conditions were and they were bad, really bad. And we've done.
1: How did you get your office up and running? How did you guys get back into business and how long did that take after your.
0: Well, we had to get back in business hours after the fire. So um, we have our remote server and we, we have, Fortunately, we have a, um, an entire office or, or uh, production side of our office actually in South Korea. Oh. And so we have our server located remotely. We were able to engage those people. They were fine, obviously, in South Korea. So we had them working around the clock. And then we had everyone work for home. And so it's like we never closed. So the technology today was, I mean, we proved it. Um, we didn't need to be here. And truly, really if our office did burn down, we you couldn't come here anyways, because it was smoke damage and all the deaths and, and I don't even know how our even office didn't burn down. Um, so we were able to to work. We had to because we have over 120 projects in this own town and not even knowing that we were going to increase our workload, you know, by 50%, you know, even after that. So yeah. we, we had to do that. And then, so you immediately, like in any triage situation, you have to, okay, where do we need the help? And fortunately, no one had, very minimum people died or became the fire, but there was a lot of behind the scenes that had to happen. So, Immediately, we went and worked with the head of the city council and the mayor and was with them. And then we kind of like just you kind of figure out who needs to do what immediately. And So we were part of this core team that we kind of got things established. Eventually, so many other volunteers, you can't even name them. You know, we're just helping out. Yeah. And really, because of that, you know, you, you just learn. And that's just the nature. I mean, we were fortunate. You and I growing up and having an incredible scouting experience. And we had a Marine, you know, a guy that was just like, trained us, you know, is as, as, as what, 13 year olds or 10 year olds.
1: Right, Gizmo, yeah, Master Gizmo.
0: Yeah, Master Gizmo to train us, you know, almost like Marines, and we had that mentality, no, 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 this is what you need to do. So yeah. we just have that in our blood, and I, I'm only gonna 100% attribute it to our incredible scout leader yep. and the experience that we had, because it just proved that we can kind of do anything, and just help people first, then, figure out how to to maybe enact new businesses and other things and that's kind of born out of what we're doing now yeah that's what's so interesting what we're doing now i'm working more now than i've ever worked but i'm so alive i I get up as you know early at 5 a.m and i just start my pencil just starts i can't stop moving fast enough.
1: yeah that's cool Um,
0: and so it's really amazing in that effect
1: yeah, you love what you're doing. Well, that's a great story, Doug. Thanks for sharing that. What advice would you give to other business owners about that kind of emergency preparation? I mean, did you did you in the back of your mind know that, okay, we need to be offsite, site we need to do these things because uh, this may be a danger at one point in time, or was it just lucky that you happen to have an outfit in Korea that you could move to and all of that? Or was there something in the back of your mind that said, you know, maybe we should do some sort of planning? I mean, tell me about that. Was it conscious or unconscious that it worked out that way? Well, what's interesting is
0: that if you think about it, Everyone's waiting for the next big earthquake, right? And I mean, right. you don't know when a, a, you can, a fire is coming, but you can maybe prepare for that a little bit more. That earthquake that's supposedly, and we've all lived through a couple of bad ones, but everyone's talking about that. And they talk about, okay, you have to have emergency preparedness. And most people relate emergency preparedness to your family and your home, but they don't ever relate it to your business. Right. And, you know, we have a family, we, we call it a family of our business here. It could be during the day and you know, it could be any time it could hit. And are we prepared in our business, not just our homes? Because homes, okay, do we have enough water? Do we, what do we do? Do we need a generator? So we're just, you know, and we're trying to teach clients that there will be power outages. They're going to shut down power here. They're not going to be without cell service for days. They already announced this. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But we have to be now more prepared. So we're training our clients to be more prepared. We're trying to create things in their houses that we never thought about doing before. Not just for earthquakes, but for fires and for other perils. Um, That that may come our way. So it's just another layer of, of, I guess, of design and 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 factoring in um, when we're doing a project. And you know, clients again, most of them are still shell shocked. They they can't believe they lost all their stuff. But you know, most of them have a great attitude to rebuild. And my job is to come up, try to think of everything, yeah, and see see what I can do. That does not really cost the like major cost things, you know, but just anything that makes just some common sense stuff.
1: Like, what's an example of that?
0: Well, I mean, there would be like um, the main thing was water storage. Okay, mm. so you know, people were at their house. A lot of people stayed, and they, and they went to they're not just fighting and saving their own house, but they would just run to the neighbor's house. Like people, there was no literally literally no fences because people wanted to save whatever they could. People right. stayed back. But then they're hosing down a house and the water ran out. So mm. they're, 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 they saw themselves in front of their eyes. They couldn't do nothing. They were using shovels with dirt and they couldn't put out their neighbor's houses. They wish they could have saved them with a little bit of water. So we're doing easy things. We're saying, okay, you're going to put the pump in your pool for sure. If you have a pool, you're going to maybe do now, it's not expensive, the cistern, which is basically under your garage, you're going to make a water tank. We did right. all work, do work in Cabo and Mexico. Cisterns are a way of life. There's a water storage, and so you're going to just create more. I mean, our step family uh, brothers, you know, Kurt and Brad, you know, saved their home and the cost after the cost fire '93. That's right. You know, jumping into oil cans, I mean, jumping into cans filled with water, you know, is a fire game too. It's <laughs>
1: incredible story. Are we going to
0: go like that? You know, yeah. it's like okay, are you going to risk your life to save your house? Hopefully not. Yeah. But it's it's a it's a crazy thing. So, anyways, there's easy things to you can do. Um, it, it's like people. Think about it. I mean, and I kept relating the stories like when, when you and I are making a, a campfire, like, hey, what do you, how do you build a campfire? You have to start out, you have to get some twigs and some things for kindling, right? Right. And then cause you can't just light a log, right? So you have to get the kindling. So what happened in this Malibu fire is that it's because of this kindling, which is like your outdoor furniture and your pillows that were just near your house. You didn't know what to do, you had to just leave. That was your kindling. Mm-hmm. So that kindling then started and got your trellis on fire. It got hot enough then to light your house on fire. So, right. That we 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 have so much kindling around our our structures that we, you know we the fire had no choice but to burn right. your house down. Right? Get rid of so, the
1: kindling and get rid of the fire. Yep.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. you can't just light a log. Yeah. You, know? you, yeah. you have to you have to have the kindling. So yep. that that example people can kind of understand that said yeah you're right Doug I mean all my after furniture started this and that and that's how my own office started on fire right. same reason
1: right wonderful say so, hey, Doug tell us about if someone want to get a hold of you what's the best way to do that.
0: Well, nowadays, I mean, besides my cell phone, you know, three one zero nine one eight five nine one six. most people don't like you about their cell phones, but I'm used to it. I work all weekends and all the time of the day. Um, it's, it's Doug at buaia.com, but more importantly, our website is buaia.com. Um, and so that's usually the best way um, for now. We're here in Malibu and we we'll are hopefully be here for a while.
1: Great. I'm sure you will. Well, Doug, hey, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been great talking to you formally like this. And um, yes, I look forward to seeing you at Dave's wedding coming up uh, in a month. There, from now.
0: There we go. Yeah, I look forward to that for
1: sure. Okay. Thanks, pal. Thank you for listening to My Company Story. I'm your host, Don Burge. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a comment and subscribe to hear more of My Company Story on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And go to our website, mycompanystory.com, to find more episodes.